Hey, my name is Alex, and you're listening to Lunchbox Radio. Thanks everyone who listened to my episode on Trigon. It was a lot of fun to record, and I love talking about anything with guitar sounds that are that sweet involved with it. So, um, thank you so much for listening to that. Um, but I don't have much going on because I've I'm just working. I'm just working. Although, actually, if you want a fun treat and you've been avoiding it because either you don't like horror things or you don't don't like idle things, um, I highly recommend you check out Zombieland Saga because I, I've been watching a lot of the latest stuff that shows up on all the streaming services since yes, yes. I pay for all of the streaming services because I'm a crazy person. Um, and Zombieland Saga was a real, genuine, like, holy shit surprise within the first five seconds. Because the main character straight up gets hit by a truck on the way out the house, yo! Spoiler alert. But, um, that, that show, that show does stuff in a really, like, fun doesn't care what you think of it along the way kind of way that I that I'm totally into and totally respect. Um, and has the best asshole character I've seen in a while because he is genuinely an asshole. And the show frames him as, this guy is a dickbag. Um, but, yeah, so definitely check that out. I also, I liked the concept of Radiant as a show, I'll probably um, keep watching it because I am a delicious trash man with trash man problems. Um, but I, 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 I kind of like the idea and look of that show. It reminds me a lot of um, that show... Uh, with with the girl, what with the size boy, um, Soul Eater, Soul Eater. It remind it, it's it's not it's not that it looks like Soul Eater. It's that it looks it has the same kind of jovialness to its designs that in were invoked by Soul Eater. Like in Soul Eater. There were scary characters, but for the most part, like, the bad guys look kind of goofy, and the whole thing feels kind of goofy, but still has weight. And not, like, goofy in, like, a, um, One Piece kind of way, but not weighty in a Bleach kind of way, kind of meet-in-the-middle deal, and I, I, I kind of dug it. I'll probably check out more of it. Um, but... Here, we're, we're here to talk about something totally different. And, well, I'm, I'm not sure totally different is the right word, but you can be the judge of that. We're here to talk about a show called Darker Than Black.
Now, have you ever been aware that there are thing that there are entire lives and universes and like life and lifespans that you're not aware of? Entire. What I'm trying to say is, have you ever been aware that an entire lifestyle of a class of people is something that you don't know anything about? Um, it. I would. Actually, say you have if you're listening to this, and you are a human. If you're a cat, eh, maybe. But if you're a human, uh, the first real understanding you have of that is with your parents, because as you grow up, you find out that your parents lived this whole mystical life in a mystical world you will never experience before you. And for some of us, that happens sooner than others. But you start to see that the that they had a life that they just don't talk about because not because they're trying to hide it from you or be, or even necessarily because they're ashamed, but because it's not it doesn't matter it it doesn't it doesn't intersect with you it doesn't you you don't you don't need to know. But not because they're trying to keep it from you. You just don't need to know. It's not relevant to you. That's the best way I can describe the atmosphere around a show like Darker Than Black, because the whole premise of the show is essentially、um, X Men are real. They are shackled with the idea of equivalent exchange to, in order to use their powers, but No one can quite know X Men are real except for a handful of government agencies and other and other said quote unquote X Men, and these contractors, as they're known in the show, are the the quote unquote X Men I was just talking about, and what that means is that they have some kind of supernatural power. And the way that happened is mysteriously, ten years before the show takes place, something happened somewhere in Africa, in the jungles of Africa, at a location called Heaven's Gate. And whatever happened there, which they, I believe they refer to as Heaven's Gate opening, as the opening of Heaven's Gate, um. Caused all the stars in the sky to be swapped with other stars, and those stars correspond to a specific contractor. So our main character, Hay, who is the main, who is the main character of the first part of the show, the second part of the show we'll get to, is is like a unique world-building piece. 
for the for the universe of the show and how things happen in the show, but that's a separate thing, and we'll get to we'll get to that later. Um, but basically, all of the stars in the sky were just swapped one day ten years ago, and since then, people with supernatural powers have popped up, and they are called contractors. And the reason they're called contractors is because they sign a contract with their superpowers. And they say, every, so, for example, there is a character in the show where every time he uses his superpower, he has to dog-ear ten pages of a magazine. Specifically a magazine. And the reason, and the thing that holds them to that contract is, if they don't, they die pretty badly. But what's interesting is, is they don't get to choose what the contract is. It just happens. It's this almost obsessive compulsive thing. And if they don't act on it within a certain amount of time, they they die um, because they didn't fulfill the contract. And what that also, what this all also means is that now there is, now there are a whole legion of superpowered people just running around the world. But the other interesting thing about contractors is that they are supposed to be emotionless. And what that means is that they, they lack kind of the standard, uh, at least in the context of the show, they lack the standard extreme emotional responses, which, and, are, and those responses are replaced by really calm, rational, logical thought processes. So if they were to get shot instead of freaking out that they're shot in the leg and they're gonna die because someone's gunning them down, They'd calm down. That shock would never hit them. They would just logic out, okay, the bullet went in here. It probably came from over there. I should get behind this this wall. And then the the person has to move. And if I get shot at again from a different angle, I know where they move. So I move, I move, I move, I move, I move until I find them and knife them but good, yo. Um, so that's an example. That's just it's not something specifically from the show. But what's what's also unique about this is because the public at large, at least it's suggested the public at large doesn't actually know about what's happening. Um, it means that government agencies and underground groups like the Triad or the Yakuza or whoever use contractors as hit people, as, you know, bodyguards, as all these separate and unique things. And because contractors are these wholly rational, almost inhumanly rational, and devoid of, like, expression... People, oftentimes it's the best way for them to make a living is to 
work as hired guns for whoever will hire them. And contractors can range from, you know, little kids to old to old people. It's not a complete it, it's not like for whatever reason all Gen Xers are contractors or all millennials are contractors. It's what when this happened, the full span of humanity got kind of encompassed in whatever the fuck happened to the sky that created contractors. And so now that we've had now that we have all that set up, I'm going to introduce you to our main character, a guy named Hay, and Hay works for a kind of taking care of business unit of the triad. You'll at least you're led to believe it's a triad. They never I don't think they ever say explicitly. I think they just call it the syndicate. Um and he works with a talking cat and what they call a doll. And in this show's universe, the other thing that was created when the stars were swapped were dolls. And dolls are like contractors, except they have no power and therefore no contract to fulfill. But they can see through matter. And what I mean by that, I don't mean like they have x-ray vision. I mean that dolls can watch people through things like power lines, through water. I think it's really only water and power lines. Uh, actually, I think it's whatever can, uh, whatever conductant is around, but mostly water, the show seems to guess. And oftentimes, contractors and dolls are paired up because dolls help them find whoever usually it is they're targeted to kill or apprehend or whatever. And the talking cat, you find out later in the story, is a contractor who had the ability to swap bodies, but he swapped bodies into a cat in order to, I think, surveil a house, and his actual body was killed. So he is basically the consciousness of a human in a cat, like trapped in a cat. And a couple, a couple different times, you see him transfer his consciousness out of the cat into like a bird or something. But for the most part, he he is this like kind of inspired, wisecracking version of male version of the cat from Sailor Moon. Um, he also served as kind of the mission giver of the bunch. Uh, it's kind of a, not the mission giver, that's somebody else, of the supervisor of Hay and um, the female doll character who comes in to play later on in the series. Now, when you introduce to Hay, you notice something pretty significant. You notice that he's using his contractor powers and even the police department, the members of the police department who encounter him when they're chasing down this other contractor, um, you, you notice that you and they notice kind of at the same time, which is kind of a cool viewer intermingling with cast trick, that Hay isn't paying a price for his 
contractor abilities. He seems to just, like, use his powers and then move on. Now, later, on down the line, you're introduced to to Hay when he's not wearing this, like, creepy, like, actor's mask with a purple lightning bolt down one eye. Like, imagine the, like, theater mask with, like, the smile and, like, but instead of with a full face mask, it's got a purple lightning bolt on over one eye, diagonally, from, like, middle to outer cheek. Um, you notice that he eats a ton, and that comes in later in terms of the show. But, so... And at first you're told, like, you've led to believe, like, oh, that's his price. His price is that he needs to eat just, like, he needs to just put it away next time he eats. Like, he can use his powers as much as he wants, but then he just has to put it away. Because up until now, you're led to believe that contractor's price can just be whatever the weird fuck that their contract demands of them. And so that might be what it demands of him. Now, we'll get to what the deal is with Hay in a minute. But what I really want to talk about is this idea that the show presents that there are this class of people in the world that most people never interact with, that most people never realize even exist. But those people persist just out of view at all times. And I don't think I've gone here in a couple podcasts, but I can relate to that because I'm physically disabled. I'm not mentally disabled in any way. I have a few syntax things, but nothing that that would keep me from being a productive member of society. And I am a productive member of society. I work a steady job and blah, 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 blah. But because of the way that I'm disabled, because I am uniquely capable as a disabled person in the world, I am not thought of as disabled by most people. If I were to walk around with my left hand, my bad arm, my bad hand in my jacket, most people wouldn't notice. It would not be their first guess to be like, oh, that that hand's in his pocket because he can't use it and there's no point in him taking it out. I am just a person to most people. But I'm all, But what that means is that when people think about disabled people, when people think about people... When people say are running through a swinging door and I have something in my hand, they look back and they're like, oh, he'll get it with his other hand. He's only, he, he's only carrying one thing. He's only carrying one bag of whatever. Like one bag of groceries, let's say. Door almost hits me in the face. Now I catch it with my foot. It's fine. I have adapted to the idea that people don't... That because I intentionally make it easier for people not to not acknowledge my disability that they don't it's not I've adapted to that but it's not something that people catch on to immediately and 
oftentimes, once people have known me for a while, they stop realizing that I'm disabled. You'll, it is common that one of my friends will look at me and be like, hey, can you call this with your other? Oh. And I have two good friends in the world, hilariously both women, who are almost like counterbalances to me. One is my friend Lauren, who I've talked about on this show many, many times, and who I went to visit. Hi, Lauren, if you're listening. Um, but the other is a friend of mine from college, who I'm still very good friends with, and it, they they help compensate for things they know either I have issues doing but can do by myself, which is everything, or things that I just get frustrated doing, which sometimes is also everything. And they'll either they'll say like, "Hey, you want help?" or they'll just do it for me. Like with without without us having words and I'll say thank you later, but it'll just happen. Um and it's it's really unique to have existed in a world where I was treated for brain cancer and go walking through the world and know that most people don't know what that means. They don't know what that looks like. And like I said at the beginning of this podcast, it's not like I'm going to go tell people because it's not information they need to know until they might need to know it. And But it's also... It's also not information that's freely available to people. It's not like it's not like people are sat down at the age of like twelve and their parents are like, Okay, here's what you need to know about the birds and the bees and here's what you need to know about cancer treatment and here's what you need to know about black people and here's what you need to know about Hispanic people and all this other stuff. The only version the only second version of the talk that you'll probably ever hear about, especially these days is the version of the talk that is about how to deal with police as a black human in the world that black parents give to their black kids. Um, And I am half African-American, but I do not have any interaction with the African-American half of my bloodline, so I never got that talk. I got the the other talk, the, the birds and the bees bullshit, but I didn't get the police thing. I gathered that later, thank God. But um, it's these it's little things like that that are glimpses into little universes that you've never seen before. That this show nails absolutely dead to right. There are lots of shows that try to do it. And get it close to right. Shows like Speed Grapher, um, Speed Grapher um, comes to mind. Um, Ghost in the Shell is another show that comes to mind, and they have this. Ghost in the Shell totally succeeds at it. You you understand most of the interior of working for a super secret government agency by the end of the movie the original movie, much less the end of the many other things that are out there that support the Ghost in the Shell 
world, as it were. But something like Speedgrapher tries to do that. They try to get you into this, like, secretive world of death and destruction and all this stuff. But it never... It never meshes quite right. And also, because of the way they tell... They use the main character in Speedgrapher... He never feels quite like he belongs. Not even really at the end of that show. But with Darker Than Black, which has similar qualities to Speedgrapher, you get a real sense of this character belongs in this world, but he is at the same time... He exists in that world, but he's not, like, so deep that that is the only place he can be. He can also be a you know, Ronin University student hanging out and eating tons of Chinese food. And people telling him, like, you can get fat. when w- Once you hit 30, you're just going to balloon out. And once again, d- d- just remember that him eating a lot is important later. But this show gives you this really great sense of what it's like to be a person in a whole other universe of life that 98% of people just don't see because they don't... Not because they're attempting to blind themselves to the truth, but because they're just ignorant of what is out there, and it's not their fault. And And if they knew, it wouldn't change anything really. And this show uses that feeling and uses that idea really effectively because they demonstrate this idea of if you're involved in this world, you're you're in this world and you're you're part of it and it's and it's a big dangerous scary thing, but. So if you want to survive in it, you have to, in some ways, become a big, dangerous, scary person to survive in it. And, um, it, it just does a great job of making that a reality. It, and actually, um, now that I'm puzzling through this, as I do every week, um, <laughs> it reminds me a lot of the feeling of of Fate Stay Night in that in Fate Stay Night they, like it seems like every character knows that magic is a thing that um, the Holy Grail War is a thing that the servants are a thing and blah 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 blah, blah. but there's a great in Fate Stay Night um, I think it was the original one, or maybe the second part of the original one. Um, in Fate, in Fate, Stay, in Fate Stay Night proper, there's an episode where they introduce Rin, who later on is the protagonist of Unlimited Blade Works and um, plays a big part in... Extella and all this other stuff. Um, she's 
kind of becomes one of the main waifus, if you will, of the fate of Earth in her own in in her own right. But they introduce her and and I think she gets kidnapped by Beelzebub in like the first or second series, like season of the first series. And you realize that she's just a kid. She doesn't know what the hell any of this is. And she learns to, and she grows into it, but the that introductory episode when she's just a kid is that show taking that character and folding them into its own, and folding them into its kind of hidden garden, secret garden universe, if you will. It's, it's a great little weird thing, now that I think about it. But... So, you're going through, so in Dark and the Black, you're going through kind of mission after mission with Hay, and they make the eating joke a bunch of times, and the point of the eating joke is, A, it's the show's bad humor, because the show is not averse to bad anime humor, as good as it can be. Um, we'll get to the detective in a second. Um, but... B, they want to firmly establish that that's Hay's price. That's the price he pays for using his contractor abilities. And you're also, but at the same time, you're also following this policewoman, I forget her name, Misaki Kirihara. And the point of Misaki Kirihara is, to be like the Rin character in the Fate Stay Night kind of mold. Is that she is slowly investigating this mysterious, mat, like, masked electric-powered contractor and being folded deeper into the world of contractors and dolls and all those other things. And as the show goes on... It's suggested that the contractors and the dolls are somehow evolving. And somehow... Hay has something to do with that. And... You eventually come to learn that Hay... That Hay had a little sister who died at, at Heaven's Gate. And whatever happened at Heaven's Gate... Hay's little sister ended up dying. And... But before that, Hay's little sister was a contractor. Not Hay. And when Hay's little sister died, Hay didn't remember how it happened. But he was told later, like, your sister dead, dude. He was a contractor. And right there, what, one of the things they tell you is that, people, is that people aren't born contractors, they become contractors at some point in their life. We see how that happens in kind of the Gaiden season of this show later on. But for right now, we'll stick with Hay and his crew. Um, through a series of events, you meet, uh, con- you meet a contractor who had lost her powers, whose powers have been taken away. He was meant to get rid of her own powers, which is impressive. And you encounter 
these MI6 agents who are also contractors, which tells you that it's not only Japanese people affected by this, it's the entire world. Um, and that's something that Darker Than Black does really, 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 really well, is that it tells you, is that it gives you story beats without stopping being like, look, this was a big deal all over the world. It's like, no, this was, we're in Japan, the big deal here, and then you meet characters who are also have these powers from England, so you know that, like, England has contractors too, and the same crazy shit is happening there, and it must be happening everywhere. I think you also meet characters, you definitely meet characters from Africa, China, I think you meet characters from America as well, but quickly this show kind of shifts from a monster of the week scenario to a puzzle box scenario, but not a puzzle box about what you think it is. You think that the puzzle box is what happened in Africa, what the fuck? The puzzle box is actually what happened to Hay specifically? Because you find out, when you find out that Hay's sister died, is along the same time you find out that Hay isn't paying a price for his contract. He can use it indiscriminately as he pleases. And that sets him apart from, from that makes him the exception to the rule that literally every other contractor in the show plays by. Good or bad, strong or weak, every contractor plays by the rules of equivalent exchange, let's call it. Which means that if you use your power, you have to pay the price. You have to pay the piper. For the, for the first contractor you see in the show, when he uses his powers, he has to break a break a body part. So there's a so he, like he uses his powers on a roof, and you see him just snap his own pinky like a twig, and he goes like, "Gah!" And it's, and at that point, you see Hay say, "That's a pretty high price for that for that ability, man." And once again, there's the dog, there's the dog-eared guy, there's the dog-eared page guy, and. Throughout the show, you led to believe that people are trying to, A, figure out how contractors happened so they can reverse some of it. Because, once again, some of these contractors are children. So, they're these children who essentially, like, go from being normal kids to being kind of on antidepressants all the time with superpowers. And that's not a great thing. So people want to figure out, A, why this happened, how they can reverse it, and B, there are people who are trying to create an artificial artificial contractor who are trying to, like, burn into happening again, a lot like um, Magneto's, like, superpower-giving, like, magneton gyroscope thing in the first X-Men, as goofy as that sounds. And so what ultimately happens here, and then we're going to get into 
what I think is one of the more interesting parts of this show. Um, what ultimately happens is you find out that Hay's sister basically dissolved herself into her brother to save her brother's life. And Hay is using his sister's contractor ability, but because his sister doesn't... Actually, let's rewind for a second. The, the character who is stuck, who is a human consciousness stuck in a cat, he is the other character in this show who doesn't have to pay a price for using his ability. And the reason for that is because he paid a price. He paid the ultimate price. His body, as he knows it, is dead. It got, like, hit by a truck or something. But because he paid such a high price, he doesn't have to anymore. Um, so what that tells us is that in order to not pay a price, you have to lose something so significant that it, that no amount of using your power could ever equal that. Basically, you have to lose your life as you know it and somehow stay alive. And that brings us back to Hay's sister, like, giving her life force to Hay. That means that he's using her contractor ability, but because he's using someone else's contractor's ability, not his own, he doesn't have to pay a price for it. The price has already been paid. So it, it's it's like eating a lunch with a bill already been paid, basically. Um, in a really sad, disturbing way. And this show... takes its time weaving around its own, in its own universe to do that, but to, to tell you that. But the reason that you don't get annoyed by it is because it does such a good job of teaching you the rules and of teaching you the kind of mechanics of the world constantly that you completely understand it, that, that you are entertained by just the show and the action and the soundtrack, which is done by Yoko Kano, which is why the opening scene, which you heard at the beginning of this episode, is so damn good. Um, but it's this, it's just this kind of great adventure in world building that happens in the confines of a fairly small show. I think there's maybe only 50 to maybe 60 episodes. I think there's actually only 50 episodes, now that I think about it. Maybe 48. It's probably 48. But what I want to talk about next is the second series. Um, and that is Darken and Black. I think it's called Gemini Meteor. And that's about this little girl who becomes a contractor, and you see, and in the first, in the first series, there's an episode where you see this little, where you see another little girl, actually, become a contractor, and you see her transition from being, and the way they, and the way they frame contractors, it really is the way they frame mutants in X-Men. You are no longer a human when once you're a contractor. Like, 
because you have these powers, human rules no longer apply to you. So what happens is, basically, you use your powers and then you, like, compulsively shift from using your powers immediately into paying your price. And in the show, in, in the first season of the show, you see that happen with, the, with this little girl and she starts singing. After, mind you, after she's murdered, like, a warehouse full of people and just everything's on fire around her and she's just sitting there, she's crying out what you understand to be her last um, moment of a truly emotional response in her life. And she just starts singing almost like compulsively. And it's, it's this really weirdly touching scene because they make it very clear that this person, that this is a person who's in the process of of having their humanity just kind of fade slowly, and they, and they are fading into a different. They they are fading from the person they were into a different person, and the I think it's the cat character says like, this is what it looks like when a contractor's born. And later on, you find out that the reason why Hay and the cat dude and the cat and the talking cat work for the syndicate is because oftentimes, because contractors are so, not just odd, but dangerous, because who, know, because who knows what their abilities are and who knows what their con what their cost is? So uh, early in the show, I saw I, I earlier in the episode I said there was a character who had to break his who had to break a limb every time he used his power. Imagine that guy as a child. Who's prepared to deal with that? Who has the incentive to deal with that? Lots of times, it's not people like people can't deal with that or comp or even really comprehend it sometimes but oftentimes those burdens are taken up to to the benefit of the criminal underworld it's a it's a, not an uncommon anime trope actually but in the case of dark and black that means that the the syndicate quote-unquote, the organization that it let, it, you're led to believe it's a triad somehow, um, takes care of kind of wayward, non-government-funded, non-government-looked-after contractors. And that's a, that's a fair amount of them, from what you're led to believe, because the, once again, these people, these are like, these are people who have this almost despondent despondentness to them who are not who are wholly logical and 
only in rare cases display anything other other than that. Um, meaning that if a kid becomes a contractor when they're seven, they stop responding affectionately to their parents. That usually freaks parents out. Um, so those people are taken in by large organizations that have a use for them and they become useful things and they become useful tools, not just living, not just living, breathing people with superpowers, which is interesting because it, it reflects this, I, this kind of indentured servitude mentality that can, that has existed certainly in America in the past, but has existed everywhere in the past. Um, and but it also modernizes it because it takes place in modern day. So the reason why I want to talk about Gemini Meteor is because it covers a contractor who a becomes a contractor. And B needs through Hay learns specifically how to exist in that world and how to be, and she is very confused because she's like a I think she's it's like she's like a fifteen or sixteen year old girl who to no fault of her own becomes zapped of emotion. And has the ability to pull out a giant sniper rifle. Like a giant tank-busting sniper rifle with infinite ammo. And I forget forget what her price was. But her price isn't really the problem here. The problem is that she is just just a a preteen girl who all of a sudden has superpowers... And it's really confused because she doesn't know where her emotions went. And in that episode, when you are introduced to the quote-unquote birth of a contractor, yeah, you're introduced to it, but that's shuffled off. That, that, that's shuffled off as almost a monster of the week incident, as much of that show is before it gets into what the deal is with Hay and how his sister died and the what how the character the character Havoc lost her powers and blah 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 blah. But before so you never you don't ever see the process of how a contractor learns to cope with the fact that they are now different. That they are thrust from being a normal human into being something other than normal. Um, I I would if you were if you are a fully able-bodied human, which let's say if you are a straight white male, um, and you everything going fine, you know, da 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 da, all the privilege in the world. And you break your arm. You've never broken your arm before. Let's just go through this. You've never broken your arm before. You you broke your dominant arm, and now you're just 
plucked out in the cold. That's a big adjustment. And oftentimes, when people break bones of some kind, there's this kind of tendency to just give up. But uh, as someone who has had my, my mom break her arm, she had a wealth of knowledge on how to do, on someone who knows how to do things with one hand. And I had to take her aside and be like, look, <laughs> you're going to have questions. I'm right here. Just ask the question and I'll give you an answer. And I did. And she did. And I did. Um, later, a couple months later, a friend of mine broke his arm and I was, oh, and I was over at his house paying him a visit because that's what you do when people break bones because it also, the other thing about shifting your, uh, the other thing about having your perspective on life shifted for you is it's really emotionally taxing and it's easy to kind of get lost in it and really depressed. So my friend was like, I, I'm like, look, if you have any questions, I will totally tell you how to, how you can do things. And he's like, I don't really, I can't really think of anything. I'm like, really? Like, you can put deodorant on? And as I said, you can put deodorant on. He looked at me like I was like a godsend and goes, holy shit. How do you put deodorant on with one hand? And like, I'm like, go get your stick of deodorant off show you how to do it and like I pulled it off I like showed him how to do it I like pantomimed it and he was like oh my god he took off his shirt and he did it in front of me it was the best and that is a less jovial version of that is what happens in Gemini but it captures the spirit of someone navigating through the new rules of their life in a really specific way. It, like, it, it's less like if you broke your arm because eventually your arm heals and you can put deodorant on just like any other moron out on the streets. And you have the knowledge in case you ever need it again, but you don't need it anymore. Or ever again, hopefully. This is more like the scene in Doctor Strange to use a relevant piece of media um a pop relevant piece of pop culture media the scene in doctor strange when he gets in the car crash and his hands are destroyed and he realizes that he will never work as a surgeon again and that movie does what this show can't do is that it gives him a choice of you either use your powers to be able to maneuver your hands or you use your powers. This show doesn't give the character, the girl whose name is, um, I have it right here. I swear I do. I, the, um, girl, she, Shion, the, the girl Shion, it doesn't give her a choice. She has to use her powers. She can't go back. So what Hay 
ultimately teaches her is he does his best to teach her how to kind of feign human emotion, if that makes any sense. How to get over on other on humanity that she is still human so she can exist out in the world and not just be this like weird gun for hire child which she definitely ends up being um but he also teaches her like look there's gonna be after you use your powers you're gonna have to pay a price here like here's how fast it needs to happen and if you don't you die he the the difference between like breaking your arm and becoming a contractor other than the world of difference is that there's always someone out there who's broken their arm but in the case of becoming a contractor there may not be other there are while there are other people who become contractors when you become one, it's not necessarily apparent to you immediately that there's anybody else out there like this. Um, it's similar to, like, being the first time you discover there are other otaku in the world. Holy shit, I'm not alone. And then you ask them all kinds of questions. You're like, But, um... And it's just, it's a really, it's really, the whole show is this really fascinating case study on how to be outside of the system, on how to exist in, on how to really exist in an underworld. Um, another similar thing, to, another similar show in that regard is Gangsta, which it has a lot of the same elements of like exploring what it is to exist in a world that exists parallel to everyone else but is certainly not the same as everyone else um but i so i just i i i was weighing my options between two shows and i was walking the dog or some such nonsense this week and i had a moment i had an epiphany while i was listening to another podcast, and I just said, you know what, we're talking about Dark in the Black, because I have stuff I want to say about it, and I hope you liked what I had to say about it, I did a little of on-the-spot editing, so I'm kind of proud of myself, and if you like this podcast, you can subscribe to it by clicking the link in the description, and it will take you to a magical little page that will let you subscribe in your podcast app of choice or favor. Um, and if you want to give me a little, like, want to give me a little monetary love, you can, uh, sign up for a subscription for, um, the podcast that helps support me and the podcast by extension, although I'll never stop doing this because I do it because I like to do it, if I'm being perfectly honest, but, um, you can do that for as little as 99 cents a month, um, but if this is not for you, then not for you. But um, <laughs> you should never say that out loud. Don't, don't let them hear you talk to yourself. That would be insane. No, stop it. But um, in the meantime, I have been Alex. 
did has been Lunchbox Radio, and I will talk